You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. The Flyers swept the pens but lost the Selkie winner in the process. Carter Hart shines bright like a diamond, and the Buffalo Sabres come to town this week. Join us as we take a look at the game's past and future for the Philadelphia Flyers. Hey everybody, I'm your host with the most Joe Gazarian, and I am thankful for Carter Hart. I'm Matt Arenek, and I'm already getting heat from the Avs fans, and I'm loving it here, boys. I'm Mike Zawissa, and we were this close to getting a Penguins' own three-star, but we can't have nice things anymore, I guess. Uh, not not just yet. Um, speaking of the Penguins, though, the Flyers uh, did edge, edge them out 5-2 to two in what can only be described as theft of a game. The Flyers were outplayed for, I would say, almost the entire game outside of a, a couple minutes early in the first and then a few at the third. Carter Hart was bailing water all night, um, but he proved what you know a true franchise goalie can do for you and steal a game when your team just doesn't have it. Uh, what were your guys' uh, big thoughts on the game? I know Matt was tough with you driving, so uh, Mike, why don't you lead us off? Yeah, Matt, congrats on the big move. Uh, it's a marathon drive that you pulled off. You missed. <laughs> yeah. It was a good game to miss, I guess. But 20, Yeah, 27 hours later. I'm sure you guys can hear in the background all the uh, all the things going on, still trying to get settled in. But, yeah, I was only really able to catch the, the end of the third. But, yeah, Mike, go ahead and jump in and kind of give everyone a thought of what you, uh, what you saw there. Yeah, I mean, from the start of this game, it, it looked like we were we were on our way to – one of the most like fun runaway victories in in recent memory. I mean, the Flyers got a goal, uh, not necessarily early on, but uh, yeah, kind of early. And then they they quickly put home two others and chased Jari out of the net, and all of a sudden it's three nothing. Ten minutes into the game, um, and it looked like like I said they were they were off and running. It, it was kind of like pond hockey out there. Um, shinny hockey, but, as uh, yeah, shinny as, shinny. as, as Hartsy says. Uh, I did see that. Everyone was so convinced. As soon as I listened to it, that was the first thing I heard, too, was shinny. Mm-hmm. Not... I heard shinny as well. Yeah. I, I didn't yeah. hear the other word. It's got to be because most most American fans don't know. Like, unless yeah. you play the game or, you re- or you're really close to the sport, you're, yeah. you're not going to hear that term a lot, I guess. But we said, yeah. yeah, big brains over here. Yeah, huge, humongous brains on this podcast. Um, but, yeah, no, and then the Pens got a, a good power play. Um, Crosby kind of got lost down low. I'm not sure how he teams continuously, like, forget about him behind the defense and stuff, but he's made a career uh, of doing plays like that and scored a nice little goal. Pens are right back in it. And then they followed up with, I think it was Mark Jankowski again, or was it uh, Tanev? Tanev. Tanev, yeah. He's had a really great start he's to the year. He's had a good start to the that, year. That third sure. line, I mean, we we gave them some credit when we talked to the Pens guys, and I'll be the first to admit I didn't foresee that type of chemistry this quickly and how formidable they've been. But, I mean, give them credit. I mean, it makes their fourth line exponentially worse, as we've seen, in my opinion. But that third line is no joke. Yeah, 100%. Um, good good start for those guys. But, you know, all of a sudden you're looking at a 3-2 game, and the Pens were, Pens were looking pretty good on offense. The Flyers were a little sluggish on defense. I think the Pens were also pretty ugly um in their own end they were turning pucks over left and right too 
And uh, I think you could see it today as well with the Caps, just as a side note. That Penguins defense, you know, even the top four is not really not really holding it together right now. John Marino had a brutal day on the ice. Dumlin didn't have a great day. So it's going to be interesting to see how they, if they can reel it in. But uh, in terms of the Flyers, I think my takeaway from this game is obviously it was, it was kind of, it was kind of shitty. They got outshot by a pretty wide margin, but I mean, they build a three, nothing lead and you build leads so that you can, like, hold on to it, I guess. Like, I, I'm not saying they should be playing by the skin of their teeth or anything like that, but, you know, 3 nothing lead, and then they wind up winning 5-2, so they, they clearly held it together enough to, to pull out the win, and they capitalized on their chances. Uh, I mean, that's that's the biggest part. We saw, again, a third period similar to opening night where Flyers get a break the other way, and they're able to bust the game open, and that's it. Like, that's that's how if you're winning 3-2 or or 3-1 or whatever during a game teams are going to take chances and the Pens took some chances they're already not a good enough defensive team and the Flyers were able to make them pay for it so that's kind of my my takeaway of it plus I mean being down coots it's good to just get out with the win that was some of the worst hockey I've ever seen hand to God God. I, I I I'm being I think you're you're being very nice to them Mike which is fine that second period I, I lost count how many odd man rushes they gave up. Mm-hmm. And coots or not, like you lost coots 45 seconds into the game. So spare me the, oh, we didn't have coots. You essentially didn't have them the entire game. So the game I mean, that's plan. That's pretty for the, big, though. Like, yeah, but. You're without him the whole game. You still have, you've got Giroux who can take draws. You've got Hayes. You've got Patrick. You've got Lawton. You have plenty of talent to still win the game without Couturier. So you had, say the first was, the first was a gong show. It made zero sense. I didn't think at at one point during the game the Flyers were in control at at any point in the game. Not from the first puck drop. It looked like the Penguins took it to them. Flyers were just got really weird, lucky bounces. I mean, two of TK's goals went off his skate, and he didn't even even connect it. And credit to him for going to the net and and putting himself in position to score. But, yeah, that first period was horrible. The second period was ungodly bad. Um, The defensive pairings, I, I don't know what they were doing. Um, I, I just, I, I've never, honestly, God, I've never seen that many odd man rushes. Um, Gustafson, oof, did not have a great game. Uh, neither did, did Haig. Um, I thought that the two of them out there were constantly just, I don't know if they're getting lost in the neutral zone or if they just weren't paying attention, but it would feel like in every three minutes, there was an odd man rush going the other way, either a two on one or breakaway. Um, good. They got out with the win. But um, I thought they looked a lot better in the third. I think they did settle down a little bit more. But holy cow. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, I, sorry, Matt, go ahead. I talked a lot to start it. No, no, you're good. I was, I was only going to mention, obviously, because I didn't get to watch the game, so it's hard for me to speak to exactly what happened. But from a perspective of just starting out the season kind of a, in a high-scoring way, um, based on the fact you guys were mentioning a lot of odd man rushes, it almost leads me to believe that, you know, maybe that the offense is looking for that too often now kind of the cheap easy plays maybe a, a bounce off the boards or over a stick to lead the other way when in reality or they're not being kind of structurally sound and playing the right way um, I know that typically does happen and you definitely can't be doing that when you lose Jean Couturier who is your best defensive center so it's not an excuse but I mean that could be kind of part of what they're thinking is and I don't I don't think AV is going to stand for that very long 
Um, I think in terms of the the Gustafson Haig pair, that was. I mean, if if you asked us, like that's doomed from the start, right? That's just like it, it's it reminds me of saying, oh yeah, like we just hope that they don't get burnt, right? Like that's kind of the approach you take. Obviously, Gustafson has been able to add a great dynamic to that second power play and some some of that lost firepower from from Ghost's down years um, in terms of offense from the back end. But yeah, I mean, the coaching staff knows Haig's probably their worst defenseman. I wouldn't. I would like to see Friedman considering he's a right-hand defenseman, get some time over Haig and go like a Gustafson-Friedman pair um, because it, it fits the handedness of what we've seen. But like you said, I mean, if they're giving up that many odd-man rushes, that, especially with Coots out at least two weeks, that's just going to have to be a, more of a commitment to a, a structured game and kind of the game that A.V. Like, wants them to play. That, cause that's not going to cut it too much longer, especially against Buffalo, even though they're not a great team. They have some firepower, and if you have Olafson, Taylor Hall, Jack Eichel getting a two-on-one, three-on-two, like and Brian Elliott's in that, I I don't know. Yeah, I'll say the second period. Um, it besides the fact that they gave up so many odd man rushes, they were very weak on the boards. They were getting pushed around every fifty-fifty battle to me. I just they just they lacked all kind of power in the second. They looked flat. The third period was a different story. And maybe it takes a period to adjust. Okay, that's fine. They got out the win, which is the most important thing. But you can't, I don't know. I was not impressed with, with the game. I um, mean, I, I agree. I Like, it was it was a bad game. Case in point, it was just a bad game. But, I mean, I think it's important to remember there was no, no, pre, no real preseason, no real camp in the way that you would normally have a camp. Um, everything was kind of fixed from the start. Uh and then you lose Coots in the beginning of the game, and the team still manages to manufacture three goals immediately and then five total and holds the pens to two. I know a, a big part of that is Carter Hart. He played, he had a phenomenal game. But I I don't I, I don't know. I, I have a hard time like looking at this game and being like, burn the tape, like it, you know, <laughs> they're gonna get torched if they keep doing this. I just don't think they'll keep playing like this. I think that game one they didn't really play like this. They were sloppy at times for sure, but this was, it was just a weird game. It was a weird game, and these games are going to happen. If you look across the league, these games are happening. You had the Blues having a good oh, game yeah. against the Abs on night one, and then they get shelled eight nothing night two. The the Oilers have traded. I think they're they played three games. They like had a, a a they got shelled their first game. Then McDavid went off in the game two, and then they got shelled again the other night. Like it's going to be a weird start to the season for a lot of these teams. And again, like. This isn't like the middle of the season and they're they're playing like this. This is, you know, two games in, they had a rough game, but they still pulled out a 5-2 win. They would have never done this in the Dave Haxtell years. They they probably wouldn't have done this with Craig Berube. Like, you know, a couple seasons ago, we're looking at a different story here. So it's good to know that even when the team is down their best player and not playing a good game by any stretch of, of, of the term, like, they're still able to to pull out a win like this. I mean, that's that's ultimately the most important thing. So I think the only reason they won was Carter Hart. Without I mean, and him. the fact that they put up five goals like that's, I, I it's it's not like they pulled out a three two win here where they scored yeah. three in the beginning and they they barely held on. They had they scored three in the beginning. The Pens got two back and then the Flyers held them to not scoring them for the rest of the game and then scored two in the third. So I think if Carter's I, a net four goals. I mean, every night should do it. 
I mean, there's obviously going to be that's the a outlier lot of goals. games. Four goals. Well, is th- a lot that, of goals. but that's what I'm saying though. Like we've we've scored five and six goals. Like if you're going to be scoring that many goals with Carter Hart and Net, like that's almost like Mike said. I mean, I think the theme of this year, hopefully for us, is going to be if we are going to be the best team in this division, the Mass Mutual Division, is going to be even on nights where we don't necessarily play well. It's kind of like the games in years past we've watched where we lose, where we were outplaying teams getting like some decent chances and then they just capitalize on every opportunity they're giving given. And that's, that's kind of, at least from the highlights I watched in the second game and then watching the first game, that's kind of the, the general theme is we used to suck in odd man rushes and then the TK hat trick goal. I mean, that was a beautiful play he drives the net pass mm-hmm. over um, to Hayes, Hayes right across. He didn't get a stick on it per se, but it doesn't really he matter. Right Your there. body's there that you made that play happen by driving the middle, pushing the D back separate, opening up that passing lane for Drew to get to Hayes and then Hayes back door. Like those are things in years past. Like I'm sure you guys remember every odd man rush was just, it was hard to watch. And now it's the complete opposite. So like Mike said, you have to be careful of small sample sizes. No, no off season. It's better to be two and O and being like, okay, we still have, we can still get better than being O and two. And then kind of saying the same thing so it's we'll see. the sky is definitely yeah. not falling but that no, was absolutely that not was, it was, was just an ugly game it, it, it leaves a bad taste in your mouth for even though they won you're expecting the team of that's a contender to have their best game every night and they just didn't so yeah it sucks but two and oh and they've scored 11 goals in two games i mean yeah I gotta we easy. gotta ask those pens boys what they think of jari because it was <laughs> chase from well, the net i think i was, was gonna say Eight minutes in, he got still got to be careful of the small sample size. But I think if nothing, if nothing so far, this just really solidifies our stance on Carter Hart. Yeah, right? yeah, it's um, just continuation of what we saw in the playoffs um, and and head to head. I mean, he not even close between him and Jari. So, I mean, we can. This is the last thing I'll say on this. We can literally just go back to to the playoffs last year against the Islanders, like. They they would have been they, this is this is this would have been game seven like this was literally you know would have been the way game seven played out had the Flyers not but that's not the case though because the Flyers have the depth this year and they're not trotting out Derek Grant and Nate Thompson and they're able to manufacture goals from every line so I I mean that that could be the difference on on your worst nights if the Flyers had any of this offense or depth in that game seven maybe we're looking at the Flyers in the Eastern Conference Finals that year so this could be the difference this year I don't know. I, it could be. I think. I I hope so. I certainly hope so. Um, I don't see why it can't be, especially when you have Carter Hart, who can bail you out in games when you don't bring it. And he did on Friday night, man. He was spectacular. Um, so we'll see what happens. Moving on. Um, anything before we move on to to the Coots injury? No, that's a good segue. Okay, so Coots is going to be out for a minimum of two weeks. With anyone would take a guess how to say that? I was going to say I would love for you to costochondral separation. No that's idea. That's probably very nice. That's got to be nice. Yeah, you know, I speak several languages. I'm, I'm a metropolitan. Not a big man. deal. What can I do? <laughs> According to Sam Carcidi, it's a separated shoulder, but except it's not a separated shoulder at all. So yeah, <laughs> Sam's got to Sam's gotta hit the textbook with the ribs. Again. I was just about yeah. to say I, I trust our boy Sammy Bull. So all right, the separation <laughs> of like the cartilage from the ribs in your shoulder, or something like that. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Alrighty. Well, he, he's going to be out a minimum of two weeks, and the team definitely they visibly looked lost without them for, for most of that game before they recovered. 
On the bright side, though, this gives guys like Nolan Patrick and Morgan Frost a chance to expand their roles, you know, especially in Frost's case, kind of prove why he may deserve a spot up here with the big club. Uh, what are you guys – what are you looking for um, moving forward with Coots? I, I think – I'd be shocked if it's two weeks. I think it's going to probably be longer. Um, I guess it really depends on how they look without him. And if they look great without him, maybe sit him a little bit longer, kind of like a Drew Brees situation last year with Teddy yeah. Bridgewater where he, they went 5-0. and They're like, all right, just – fucking sit through for a little bit so we'll see but what are you guys thought go ahead mike no me all right uh yeah huge huge opportunity here like you said joe for for nolan patrick um i thought he by the way he looked really good friday he he was a standout for me he looked great he's been talking about someone who's who's you said the flyers were a little weak on the wall and kind of getting pushed around he's he is imposing himself so far this year he has looked very strong i mean that that one where he kind of crashed the crease that led to the second TK goal, I think it was. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was that was a, a big man's play. So that's a that's a huge goal. So big chance for him. I think they should probably run him second line, um, or I think as AV said, one A, one B, and one C. Love that. Um, yeah, that, I mean, that, and that's that's pretty true to be honest, considering the talent they're running on those lines. So. Such coach talk, but it's also it's <laughs> it's true. It's true though. I mean, yeah. I mean, with this lineup, yeah, it's a cliche, but it's true. Yeah. Uh, and then, obviously, tremendous opportunity to Frost, who didn't look lost last year with the Flyers. It was kind of like he he was almost like a victim of circumstance where, like, the Flyers didn't want him in the lineup full-time last year. They clearly had their eyes on bringing in, like, depth players to the deadline, and they just didn't think he was a, a bottom six guy. So here's his chance to really to make a difference. He's going to be playing with Konechny and Lindblom, who are two great line mates to have. I mean, Lindblom is incredibly def- uh, responsible player and, and TK has actually shown signs of, of some hustle and some back check and everything like that. This, this short season so far. So yeah, big chance out for there them. at the end of the game, last game now. Yeah. Yeah. He was to seal it. So, I mean, I think yeah. that yeah, shows Limblom had the empty net goal. So yeah. And TK has got the trust of AV for sure. Um, no more, no more TK on the bench for the final 15 minutes of a game or in the box uh, watching. Yeah, He's, he has to learn that. Yeah, he has to learn from up there. You can't see yeah. from the bench. And then huge opportunity. Like this is this is just a big opportunity for every center. Like Kevin Hayes is going to be top line now. He's looked really good to start the year with G and yeah. Farabee. And then Scotty Lawton, I feel like he plays his biggest hockey or his best hockey when there is like some some injury shenanigans in the lineup. Like when when all of a sudden he gets a slightly bigger role. Uh, he just comes out of nowhere and is, is able to pull out some some two goal games, some one assist, one goal games. So, uh, just big opportunity. It sucks that they're missing Coots though. That's like the last between him, Hart, and Provorov. Those are like the last three guys you ever want to see get out injured, missing any time. So, yeah. Flyers responded well when Hart was out of the lineup last year. So, yeah, I think um, exactly what you said. I mean, the good thing now, and this is again a depth comment is Morgan Frost starting at 13 forward I mean in years past that means which is not a bad thing because Lawton's a very good in my opinion good 3c but then you're kind of filling in a a not so great 4c maybe you put Raffle there and Turensky or who knows on the wing on the fourth line now we can still feel confident we can run three very highly skilled offensive uh, centers through lines 1A, B, and C. Um, And if anything else, I think this is going to be Morgan Frost's opportunity to show um, Chuck Fletcher 
kind of make a decision for him when it comes to the expansion draft, right? I mean, that's a big decision. It depends on how Ghost plays this season. But I could easily see if he takes it and if he takes this opportunity and runs with it, it could mean, in my opinion, the end of JVR's time here in Philadelphia, right? I think just for cap reasons alone in the flap cap world, um, you have some deals coming up with Sanheim. If we have to go ahead and guarantee ourselves that Seattle takes JVR, who's still a very productive player, as you've seen, I think he has, what, two or three points so far to start the season, already on the board. Um, I, w- I can't see why they wouldn't take him. Um, and I, I wouldn't mind a, a Frost, Patrick, and insert whoever on that third line, Jake, third line going into next season. I won't get too ahead of myself, but I honestly do believe that, like we said, without, without any injuries this year, there really wouldn't have been an opportunity for him to play, unfortunately. No, I, I agree. I'm, I'm excited to see kind of what Seven it looks points like. in 20 games. It's not a joke. No. Mm-hmm. Small sample sign, but I mean... And and like Mike said, I, I don't think he ever really got lost last year. Um, Frost, I thought he he looked good at times, and other times he just he didn't he didn't look like he was ready a hundred percent. And that's fine. I mean, it's to be expected. This year, though, I I think I'm sure they sent him home last year with with you know an edict of hey, you know someone's going to get hurt, you're going to have to play this year. So when your number gets called, make sure you're going to be ready. And hopefully, he got that message and he took it to heart. Um, I don't know, like, I know, like, everybody was like, oh, Farabee gained 10 pounds of muscle. I don't know what Frost did or if he, if, if he did anything to change his game or get bigger. Matt, the year prior, he was 190. I, mean, I remember that. And that's why that's why it didn't weight. make sense to me when, when we went to the playoffs, like Mike alluded to. And you're talking about Derek Grant having to play in front of him or or Nate Thompson. And in my opinion, I think, I mean, the, the break maybe, but everyone had a break. So I didn't really yeah. understand the idea that, he wasn't physically ready yet, yet Joel Farabee's playing. Or Joel. I think it yes. just falls back to the, the coaching, I don't want to say favorites, but kind of they fall into that blind spot where they, they go to the veteran. Um, the hockey-style goals, I'll never yeah. forget that. The play a playoff. The, the Dave Hackstall special. Yeah. yeah, we're going to put Michael yeah. Roffel at the top. Of, <laughs> top Even though the line's line. been great, he scores playoff-style goals. Oh, my God. world. Uh, yeah, I, I – it... What a mess. What a mess this team was for like a stretch of like six years or so, seven years. Brutal. A little, little bit uh, of spiral. A little bit. A little bit. Um, yeah, I, I think I'm excited to see how the Frost experiment goes. I, I don't think he was never, like we, we've been saying, he was never out of place last year when he came up. His hockey IQ is so good that he's, he was always in the right spot. It just came down to he might not have been strong enough. He might not have been mature enough to be there. So... Now, the, from all reports, he has. He had a good camp. Um, again, he should. he's a similar IQ player to Coots and to G, so there's no reason he shouldn't be able to do well on the line with Lindblom and uh, TK. And maybe maybe halfway into the game against Buffalo, they decide they want to put him with you know a little more size, and they throw him with JVR and, and Jake, and you give Nolan the look um, with, with Lindblom and, and TK, you know. Try to give, try to insulate Frost a little bit. I could see them doing that, but I think it's a, it's a smart move. It's a savvy move to not change up the lines. Let the rest of the team stay the same because they're still finding their rhythm and they've looked good. And then, yeah, because this is going to be, Coots is missing at least eight games. It's an extended this. look. This is a nice yeah. long look for Frost to, to so, show something. 
someone had it like mapped out if, if he misses two weeks that's eight games which is like 15 percent of the season mm. so and that's at least like that's a lot we i think we might wind up seeing him out as many as four weeks i would guess i'm struggling rough. yeah 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 and then struggling to react play with that with that injury for another month or so a couple months because it it's not i mean it's, it's just going to keep hurting him he's just going to be in pain for the whole year whenever he comes back so this is a chance, and this is a huge we, – we talked about before, the only thing that would really hold this Flyers team back is injury. Well, here's the, here's the biggest injury you could get outside of Carter Hart on this team, and we're going to see how this team responds to it. Uh, big test. They've still got plenty of talent. There's no excuses. Obviously, you're going to miss Coots for his shutdown play on other top lines and stuff like that, but you have good defensive players on this team. You have plenty of talent to make up for it. Um, you're not going to replace him completely, but it's not like it's not like that year that the Flyers faced the Capitals in the playoffs where Coots got hurt uh, two minutes into Game One, oh, and then the and Flyers then just had knew it nothing. was over. Yeah. Yeah. He knew it was over there oh, because man. because Belmar and Vandevelde matching up against other you know lines is just not going to cut it. So Michael Neuvert did channel his inner I don't know God Jesus Buddhist whatever you want to call it and. How many saves did he make in that one game? It was an unbelievable. I mean, I like, it was like the Flyers got outshot like 44 to 11 in that game or something. <laughs> I, Ryan White had exaggerating. a pinball goal that hit oh, off like yeah. six players. In the <laughs> yeah. end. He was on the power play. Oh, my God. God bless him. Um, no no, no excuses. Like like you said, Mike, we, we talked so much on the offseason about how, how deep this team is, and especially at center. Um, so, hey, it's time to put up now. You, you obviously, your best player is down, and it's going to be harder, but I think this team has the depth at center to to overcome it um we'll see we'll see how it looks looking ahead uh we do have buffalo coming to the town on monday night finally get to see the highly touted combo of jack eichel and taylor hall i know i'm excited um we'll see how the flyers you know they're gonna have some time now to prepare with life without coots and and how they're gonna kind of attack the situation what are your boys thoughts on this quick back-to-back series because it is back-to-back they're playing tuesday night right after so I think it's going to be important to see how we play to a team who you might want to consider being a little lesser than than your own, right? So, I mean, obviously the Penguins are a huge rival for us, so I believe they knew they wanted to get off to a strong start. It's a good test to see against a lower team if we bring that same kind of energy and the same effort across the board. Um, it's also going to be our first look at Brian Elliott. Right. I mean, back to back game, you know, you're not going to start the same goalie back to back night. So here's the first game for him to really start that bounce back tour and hopefully provide us a good uh, a good game when when Carter Hart's not in that and still give us a chance to win. Yeah. I, and again, I, I, this is a theme that we're going to be talking about all year, but the Sabres are no joke in their top six. You have Taylor Hall, Jack Eichel, Tage Thompson. Victor Olofsson, Eric Stahl, and Sam Reinhardt. So those are those are six pretty good players. I mean, Hall and Eichel, I would say, are pretty elite. Victor Olofsson is going to be a monster. And then Eric Stahl and Sam Reinhardt are no jokes either. So those are good players. So the Flyers, you know, are going to have their hands full with them. But then you look down the rest of their lineup, I mean, they have, like, replacement players in the, in the bottom six. Jeff Skinner yeah. is playing fourth line. So, I mean, he's a good player. He had a nice, a really nice play the other night against the Capitals, but, I mean, Tobias Reeder, Cody Eakin, Dylan Cousins, Curtis Lazar, and Riley Sheehan, those are all replacement-level players. So there's no excuse. Like, this is where the depth of the team is going to have to shine. This is where Lots is going to have to have a big game and all his guys 
this is where Frost, if he's going to do, if he wants to to make a good impression, this would be the game to do it. I mean, he's going to get some favorable matchups probably because they're not going to run him against Eric Stahl. They're not going to run him against Jack Eichel. So if he's playing with uh, Lindblom and TK against like Cody Eakin and <laughs> or Curtis Lazar, like th- this yeah. is the time to do it. And this is where the Flyers' depth, this is where it, it should benefit them. Like this is, this is not a very deep Buffalo team. Their defense, they have a couple good names, but Jake McCabe and Rasmus Ristolainen on the top defensive pairing – they're not they're not replacement level players, but they are third line defensemen. Uh, so this is we're going to be talking about this all year. Depth is going to be the keyword. We're going to have to put it in all the metadata of every single episode we do, or every uh, focus keyword. <laughs> Can we do one we're of those gonna... like word clouds at the end? I want to see how <laughs> yeah. big depth is. It's yeah, be we absolutely should. That and uh, Dave Haxtall are going to be the two biggest the two biggest in the word cloud. No, I I agree with both of you guys. Um... Depth, 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 and we can say it a thousand times. But um, it, it, another thing the Flyers should be taking advantage of is is the goalies. I mean, not not super strong in, in Linus Olmark and how do you, who is the other guy? Carter Hutton. Carter Hutton. Carter yeah. Hutton. Um, I mean, goalies are such weird animals. You know, they can. We just joked about Michael Norvert and that came a couple of years ago, but that can happen on any night with any goalie. So we'll see what happens. Um, but it looks like some... Eric Stahl, too, might be day-to-day. Ooh. I'm All seeing right, so... as well. Was he the one who took the high hit? Do you guys happen uh... to remember? I did see a video of one of the players on Buffalo taking a high hit. So it looks like it looks like Kyle Poso. I know Gergensen's is out long-term. Um, and it looks like Eric Stahl might be day-to-day. So he might be a game-time decision. If he doesn't go, I mean, Jesus. That's Their tough. only center at that point is Jack Eichel. Yeah. Um, so the, again, an F, it's an opportunity for Frost and everyone to really get settled in and get used to life without Coots. Um, and it's an opportunity for Brian Elt to, to reestablish himself and show that he can give us a chance to win on every, any given night. So I'm, I'm excited for it. Um, I'm excited to watch Jack Eichel and Taylor Hall. Hopefully they, they play well, but they don't score. We can watch some, <laughs> yeah. some fun plays. <laughs> definitely, We definitely don't want to be taking too many penalties. I can tell you yeah. that. That, no. that first unit of Reinhardt, Eichel, Taylor Hall. Uh, Rissa Lyon has got a big shot, from, doesn't he, from the, from the point? Or Dal- uh, is it he's Dalene? on the second unit, though. It's, it's Darlene oh, yeah. on the first unit with Victor Olofsson. But the, the issue really comes is you have – on each half wall, Eichel and Olsen, and then you have, yeah. I want to say, Taylor Hall in the trigger spot, and they've been deadly so far. So I think discipline's going to be the name of the game. Um, and then, yeah, just having everyone settle in, and then Brian Elliott just playing well enough to give us a chance. No, I agree. I, I think the Flyers, they've done an okay job so far with when it comes to staying out of the box. They've, they've been okay. It's the Penguins, so it's always kind of tough. Because it's a rivalry game and it can get a little chippy. We should mention, by the way, that elbow that Sanheim took from oh Jake McCabe. God. He's escaping. $10,000 yeah, fine. Yeah, $10,000 fine. Uh, I mean, to me, that's probably it's probably worthy of a game, but whatever. Um, go ahead. Yeah, Mike. I mean, it, it's a Bush League play. Like, 100%. Jared McCann, he went out of his way to, I said to throw McCabe. the elbow. Yeah, yeah. He watched him throw one in the next game, too. Uh, <laughs> no, it, it was it, – he, he looked – like he you, he he watched his follow through the whole time. So like, just a bush league play. The Pens were doing that type of stuff. I mean, we're I think we're gonna have to expect that from them every game that they're gonna be doing stuff like that. There was another play, I think in game one, that 
I might have I like actually tweeted about or something that it was like it, I it it I saw it enough to be like that's a bush league play like case in point so uh yeah I wasn't Just shocked to, it's the pens the fact that the penguins it I mean Malkin he could literally two two hands sewn across the face and they would say like he lost his balance or something ridiculous of that nature. I mean, that <laughs> he was actually NH- swatting for a fly, man. It was a fly. Yeah, if you're stick. if you've ever played the sport, I mean, there's just no, there's nothing that would happen that would cause you to extend your elbow back and behind you. Like no part of his body made contact with Sandheim except for his elbow, which was moving in the opposite direction of his body. That was the only reason. It's not a. a a suspension is really because of of the injury. There was no injury. Yeah, yeah. Which is, if you're trying to get those out of the game, it shouldn't be. Oh well, it caused an injury. It didn't cause an injury. It very well could have if it hit him in the wrong yeah. place. So, I'm not shocked. the The front office of the NHL and that whole player safety department is it's a joke. No, it is. But the, I, Flyers, like you said, got to stay out of the box against this this Buffalo team. They are. No joke. Let's ho- hopefully they do that. Um, and then obviously, <laughs> I was running the Twitter on on Friday night for the most part, and then I hopped off towards the end of the night, and I didn't realize till Mike let us know that Jake was uh, saying some stuff after the post game. Um, for those of you who don't know, just a little bit of context and backstory. Mike Sealski uh, is a beat writer here in Philadelphia. Um, wrote a piece. I guess it was last year um, about how the veterans were not really taking AV seriously. Um, he, he said that they were kind of laughing when AV was, was speaking about accountability. Um, and then a whole kind of thing ensued. Mike, because you're, you're more the writer here, take us through a little bit and, and, and kind of give us some, give us some more context. Cause I, I was just laughing when I saw it. Oh yeah. I mean, it, it was hilarious. It was, it was like, I mean, we've seen Jake sound off in post game interviews and we've seen him sound off on Twitter at fans uh, <laughs> we're not so, blocked yet by the way i checked yeah we're yeah not blocked yet. i i i don't want to get blocked no uh, i do not either no <laughs> we're but pro anyway, jake I, on this pod pro pro pod. yeah absolutely big pro jake um yeah this was this was strange because we've i don't think we've ever seen him really sound off at a at a reporter like before so he you know he's given snippy answers and stuff but he straight up called sealski out so he called him a weasel yeah <laughs> called him a weasel yeah uh so it yeah, it all stems from that incident where Sealski wrote an article basically saying that Jeru and Voracek weren't leaders and they don't care. And he prefaced it by being like he tweeted out this weird tweet where it was like, I don't know why Jake Voracek was laughing while Elaine Vino was talking in the locker room. All I know is that he was. And then the whole article went on to insinuate I would say it was more than insinuate. He he basically just straight up said he was laughing at A V giving a speech when in reality AV was also talking to media members and Jake was like sitting with JVR and joking around with him. So the, the, the facts of the case were like immediately disputed by every player and by like pretty much every other beat in the city, uh, maybe save broad street bowl or something like that. I don't know, but it, it seems to have all stemmed from that. And then if you go back Sealski has been like riding the anti Voracek train for years now. He's a troll. I mean, I know he's a he, troll writer. Yeah, and, and even mean, even his like, and I get it. Listen, not not every media member has to be buddy buddy with like with the team. Um, you, you want people who who point out flaws and write objectively. You need that. Yeah, they sh- they shouldn't be to an extent. I mean, it's their job to hold them right. accountable and everything. But like he, so like 
it gets to the point where it's kind of like a a, a boy who cried wolf, but like in reverse, mm-hmm. because like he's been coming after Jake for so long, and like and those tweets he does where he's like he takes subtle shots, and he's like, you know, uh, Vorchek should be traded, my column, like he does that stuff all the time, mm-hmm. and you're you know eventually people just start to think you have it out for a player when you constantly badger them, um, and you know. That's it's it's just very strange, and he, Jake clearly didn't forget. <laughs> that was oh, a year yeah. ago, and he did not forget. And that's uh, the thing that's you see a lot of people. I, I've seen a lot of fans, obviously on Jake on board with Jake, but then I've seen a lot of people being like, "Why? You know, he should have manned up. He should have done this before. Like, why? Like, why is that the emphasis on Jake, a professional athlete, to go out of his way last year during the season when he's got to focus on playing the game, mm. and then." During the pandemics, like coming back, yeah. playing in a pandemic, why is the emphasis on him to go up to Mike Sealski? Because I saw Sam Carcitti tweeted that, that today. He was like, one time I wrote a bad Pronger. article about yeah, yeah about Pronger, and he's like, Pronger and I had he took me in a room, we had a conversation, and handled it there. Like, bro, this is not one bad article. This is Mike Sealski has been like, it it was that article. He was basically trying to like defame Jake's character as a as a leader on this team, but then he's also like led a campaign. In his, like, column for the last seven years, basically saying that Jake doesn't care and, like, that that type of stuff, like, if you were at work every day and you just had someone from a different, like, company coming into your office every day and, like, spreading rumors <laughs> about you, like, I, I feel like that would be, I would be pissed. I'd be like, all right, not I, only, like, I don't want to deal with you. Like, what? Not only that, but, like, so... Riddle me this: Mike Sealski is allowed to go in public and and try and assassinate Jake Voracek's character, but Voracek isn't supposed to publicly defend himself. He's supposed to do it in behind closed doors when mm-hmm. Sealski can. He literally will will control the narrative because he's going to write whatever he wants. Like Jake said, um, why not? Yeah, just- imag- imagine a scenario where Jake Voracek <laughs> pulls Mike Sealski into a room and, ha- right. and yells at him for this article, and then the the column that Sealski writes the next day would be like weak minded yeah. flyers star. Like, come on! Yeah, if you're it's gonna just, if you're gonna openly call me out to the public in front of everyone, which is you know you're a reporter, it's your job to, to to do that. But don't don't expect for me to just be buddy buddy with you and take you like, hey, I understand. No, I'm gonna publicly defend myself if you're gonna like, try and publicly shame as, me. As a writer and a journalist, like I'm pretty pro media for the most part. Um, but sports media is like a weird field where it's like we like it's clickbaity now. Too. Yeah, and, like and that's they, the problem. I think is the fact they, that they, go ahead, finish. Go your ahead, point. Matt. No, I was just gonna say like they they treat these like journalists are you know in the in the outside world are supposed to like hold companies and corporations accountable and stuff like that and politicians. In sports, they like bring that same heat to athletes <laughs> and they treat them like they're these like monster corporations who are like. <laughs> like poisoning people's well water and stuff like dude all jake did was laugh at, at a dude's joke in the locker room like why are you trying to, yeah. to who knows ruin what, his career who knows you've you've no idea what he and jvr were talking about and he didn't even try to find out and that's no. that's the no, biggest no. that's the biggest issue and i think a lot of times especially now when like i mentioned that it's very clickbaity and you try to make these jokes on on social media to gain a following is that it, just the same way that and athletes held accountable, like they're going to read this. I mean, more, some players more than others. And we talk about it all the time. Like NHL players having a personality, like other sports, they're definitely more outspoken. They're definitely more outspoken. And I have no problem with Jake calling someone out who 
he thinks his way to the top is to try to be like the Stephen A. Smith of of the NHL. Like if you if you want to play that game and you don't have an actual relationship with these players that you know behind the scenes they're not going to be mad at you or they kind of know it's all for show then yeah don't sit there and pretend like oh like why are they coming after me now like it's it's just and it's I, embarrassing. I, don't know, I don't know why people are shocked either by jake because he's been the same person since he got here mm-hmm. he's, he's never been calling out fans on social media for the past <laughs> he'll, two he'll, years he'll block people he blocks people <laughs> on twitter um which is hey whatever fine don't block us jake please um but he he's unapologetically him and to tie it into your point matt i mean the nhl desperately needs people who who are hard to kind of have their own brand and are kind of doing stuff other than the normal hockey men answers jake's that guy i remember a couple of years ago um I think the fly the Flyers were coming off like a bad bad streak of games and then they, they kinda flipped the switch and I think they won I don't know if it was right after they maybe it was around the ten game winning streak or something, but um they're like what did like the, I think it was Sam Carcitti asked Jake, they're like, What did you do different? He's like, We went out and we got hammered. <laughs> like that was their answer. Like, yeah, we all went out and we drank a bunch of beers and we were like, Hey, we all have to be better and they talked about accountability and that was it. And like that's the kind of guy Jake is. Um and I hope he stays that way. I don't ever see him changing. Honestly, he's no. not gonna, he's not gonna be, you know, a goody two shoes guy. He's gonna tell you what's on his mind. Um, and then for a journalist, I can't think of anything better than someone who's, you know, he's a quote machine. So go, go after him. Just don't be surprised when you constantly poke a snake and eventually it snaps back at you every now and again. Yeah, I mean, if you're gonna build a personality, like Matt, like you said, as like a troll or like a you you can't be the one getting trolled in response. Like you can't you can't get upset when someone else brings heat back at you. I mean, we've seen we've seen that develop uh, in in other in other areas too. Uh, yeah. This season so far. If your so. brand is get, is getting people mad online, you then can't in turn be mad online. You yeah. just can't do it. So I hope I hope we don't have to talk about this at any other point in the season. But I have a feeling that if this is this is not over, the Sealski Voracek. Saga I, I hope it. Done. I hope it pops up again. I hope like. Uh, <laughs> I hope like five six weeks from now the Flyers are doing really great and Mike, you know, Sealski's like, hey Jake, like, um, talk about your chemistry with with uh, JVR and how he's like, Mike, you rat. <laughs> no, I'm not going to answer. Um, it's kind. It's funny. It, it is what it is. Um, any any last thoughts on that before we wrap up, boys? No, I mean a plus reaction from from TK. Really <laughs> yeah, to hold it together, the, drinking the yeah. water, kind of looking I, over. I saw someone mention too. It would have been better if he was like middle of drinking the water when that went down. Oh, hundred like, percent. He spits out half of it <laughs> <laughs> because of the comment. But I mean, yeah, I mean, this year is just, there's so many different things to talk about. It's the first year where you look at Jake and G, and you you have the the opportunity to ask them like, hey, how's it feel to actually have the talent around you to feel like you can compete for a cup? I mean, every year they that's the Go-to answer. It's, oh, we're here to win a cup. Mm. Yet 90% of teams in the NHL know in the back of their mind, like, this team is not deep enough to win the cup. Yeah. This is the first time in a long time. And there's really just no need, for at least in this season, to have those types of just bogus questions when, in, in turn, you can kind of write about the the change that we've seen in this team over the past year or so and kind of the excitement surrounding what what kind of potential they have. So. And this team has had a battle with with reporters. You go, you can go back to Richards and Carter, Dry Island. You can go back as far as you want. Um, they've always had issues with local media, so I don't think it'll ever change. But um, now, anything from you, Mikey? 
No, I, I yeah, I, I think I've said all I can about this. I just, <laughs> it, it's so, it's just annoying. It's just annoying to me. I, I was annoyed way back when I, by the article itself because there was no integrity behind it. No, it's bad and journalism. Then now, yeah, and then now the fact that it's boiled over into this where Jake is somehow also the bad guy again, it, it's like, you know, yeah. give me a break. Give me a break. No, I agree. But uh, the Flyers are, are going to be down their number one center. Um, all offseason, though, we talked about how deep this team is. We talked about it in this episode, especially at center. Uh, they've got the chance to prove us right now or, or prove us wrong, I guess. All starts uh, Monday night with Buffalo coming into town. Check us out Thursday for a recap of, of the quick Buffalo series and anything else that happens in the meantime. Uh, have a great week, Philadelphia.